Welcome to Dragging the Dead, the only show that speaks ill of the dead. I am Tim, here with Lance and Jen. What's up, legends? What is going on? This is a brand new show. So excited to uh, be a part of this uh, this this inaugural episode, this first episode. Um, and Jen, welcome aboard. We're going to get nuts. Nuts. It's going to be a party every week. Yep. It's a crawlspace party. And this show is unlike any you've probably ever heard. You ever heard the saying, don't speak ill of the dead? This show is kind of the opposite of that. We're going to drag the dead. We're going to make fun of the dead. Hopefully it's funny. Well, I'm really kind of seeing this show as something where we can bring someone to the table who is deceased and the person bringing that deceased individual to the table will bring them to the table and say, this person is a horrible person. And this is why. And the other two, Jen and Tim, you two will try to tell me why my person is a decent a decent person. This is not a horrible person. It's really breaking down public perception and sort of taking the uh, taking the gloves off a little bit. Okay, let's start. So we're gonna take turns. Each of us have a person. The rest of us do not know which person we've chosen. And so it's gonna be a surprise to all of us. So who wants to go first? I'm presenting the alphabetical method, so if we're doing that, then the obvious choice here is Jen. I'm always the first one. Always happened in school. Break us in. All right, here are my facts. This person was a polymath, a writer, a scientist, a politician. They made the first rocking chair, and they were a fashion icon of Paris. And we should say that Tim and I don't know this person. The The person who brings the deceased individual to the table only knows the person. The other two are strictly operating off of Google and Bing at, at this point. So <laughs> our, the defense of this person is going to only come from what we find randomly in our brain and online. Is it Benjamin Franklin? Oh, my God. That was too easy. Yes. The rocking chair really gave it away. Yeah, it's, uh, it's all Ben Franklin. I thought that was a, a pretty obscure fact. I hadn't heard that before. <laughs> no. Damn it. Google really uh, cuts to the chase. So tell us why Benjamin Franklin was, was uh, you know, why, why do you want to talk shit about Benjamin Franklin? Guys, he was the worst. I know we have this, like, public perception of him being, like, a founding father and all that stuff, but, like, he sucked real bad. So in 1748, one the first of many grievances I have is that he purchased a slave. Later freed his slave but he did purchase one okay all right i mean i know i know some stuff that about ben franklin being a little bit of a uh, player if you will mm. mm-hmm. indeed he was I, I believe he contracted some type of venereal disease from the ladies of the night in paris it was what when was that like 1780 who didn't have a venereal disease that's true even abraham lincoln had syphilis and and his wife i mean i have syphilis <laughs> yeah, but you know, he invented the bifocals. That's got to stand for something. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Ooh, the the catheters. He invented the urinary catheter. Everyone loves a good catheter. It begs the question, though: How did he come up with the catheter? No, you're absolutely you're absolutely right. I'm having a hard time defending uh, Benjamin Franklin. To 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 be honest, uh, he he. He was, you know, technically a founding father, but he was never president, which uh, which I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's a, a, a point 
for him. You know, he he wanted to operate behind the scenes. So he he and he was a master negotiator. He was over in France and he was he was a diplomat before like diplomat in in uh, in America ever happened. He was he was very good at at managing those relationships. But you know, Franklin was a reluctant revolutionary. He uh he supported the Stamp Act, which um was like the British imposing attacks on on stamps in America, and his son was actually a loyalist, British lover. Every, everyone's got a bad uh, a bad moment, you know. But he ended up signing the Declaration of, of Independence, the Treaty of Alliance with France, the Treaty of Paris, and the U.S. Constitution in seventeen eighty seven. Guys, was that just off the top of your head, Tim? Yeah, it was. Wow, that's yeah. what he learned in school. <laughs> I am referencing a website right now called biography.com and I am looking at one of the strangest sentences I've ever read uh, and it just so happens uh, to be about Benjamin Franklin but the structure of this sentence is odd. Let me know if you think this sounds odd. It says, although James, uh, Benjamin Franklin's father, mistreated and frequently beat his younger brother, Franklin learned a great deal about newspaper publishing and adopted a similar brand of subversive politics under the printer's tutelage. How did they put those two facts together? Maybe it was like he learned some stuff even from his dad, even though he was an asshole and beat his kids. Maybe. It just feels like a bit of a forced sentence. Well, I've, I've got more. I've got more dirt on him. Before he got involved in politics and stuff, he started writing this periodical in the newspaper from a Mrs. Duguid. That was his pseudonym. And he wrote on issues uh, that impacted women on the right to vote and like what polite society should be or whatever so he actually got several uh marriage proposals through the mrs Duguid moniker so i i would like to uh bring to case that he was the first ever catfisher interesting oh colonial catfishing colonial catfishing new show so he invented catfishing too. See, he's a goddamn genius. <laughs> yep. He's an inventor. He is. Um, I'm going to counter with uh, his brilliant writing in Poor Richard's Almanac. Oh, so many great quotes. Who has actually read Poor Richard's Almanac? I have. Every goddamn word. <laughs> You're a liar. Poor Richard's Almanac, he was cranking up from 1732 to 1758. Uh, he made a ton of money off off of it. People loved it. Little pamphlet. Uh, it it its print. This is from um, Wikipedia. Its print run reached ten thousand per year. I mean, there weren't even ten thousand people in America back then. That's a lot. <laughs> so he was making up readers. Is that what you're saying? He was the inventor <laughs> of clickbait. I loved what he said in 1756 in Poor Richard's Almanac, though. He said, love your enemies, for they tell you your faults. Ah. Clearly advice he never took. He was so full of himself. So he had some strange uh, thoughts on what led to bad dreams. He thought that like, when you go to sleep, if you're wearing clothes and you don't have a window open, that you would putrefy as you sleep. You would like expel... Um, particles from your skin and your breath and you would re-ingest them and that led to bad dreams. So he was a huge advocate of sleeping in the nude and having a nice healthy cold breeze in the bedroom. I'm just going to say like that's probably wrong. That's 
not how science works. We, you, can't, you can't prove it wrong, though. Probably can. I followed his advice to the T, to the letter, and I haven't had a bad dream since puberty. <laughs> cool and nude every single night. Yeah. I mean, he was a strong advocate of walking around naked to, quote, get the skin to just discharge its load. Imagine walking into that. <laughs> Col- <laughs> Colonial exhibitionism. All right, and I'll close with just like a gross thing. He he wrote, quote, a letter to a friend on choosing a mistress. So he's just like plainly advocating for cheating on his spouse. I'm I'm with you. I'm with you, Jen. And it was it was an easy uh, it was an easy turn for me. I never really liked Ben Franklin in the first place. Uh, I believe he left for France for so long. Uh, so he was married, and I believe he left for France. Uh, and I think his wife died while he was gone. And it, he just like he didn't even write her. He he she just basically died alone. He couldn't give two shits about her. Well done is better than well said, guys. So. <laughs> Uh, a penny saved is a penny earned. That is from Poor Richard's Almanac, I believe. Actually, he never said that one. He didn't? No, I've read every word of uh, Poor Richard's Almanac. No, he never <laughs> said that one. <laughs> but he did say a penny saved is two pence clear. That was uh, as close as he got. And that was about Mike Pence. Oh, nice, <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, my person is a veteran of the United States of America. Served in World War II during 1943 to 1946 in the U.S. Army Air Forces. He had a temper. Okay, maybe he had a little bit of a temper. I'm not going to Google this. I'm, I'm thinking. Ted Williams. No. Solid guess. Is his stint in the Air Force what made him famous? No, actually. Uh, that happened afterwards. He, he sort of had a rough life. He was technically a foster kid. His mom had been hospitalized, even institutionalized, a couple of times. Um, and then he was kind of uh, moved around a little bit. He ended up working in a uh, family business, nightclubs, strip clubs even, in and around uh, Dallas, Texas. What? Who is this person? In and around Dallas, Texas, nightclubs, strip clubs uh jack ruby that's it oh is it really jack ruby it is jack ruby yeah jack ruby who who shot uh lee harvey oswald after lee harvey oswald shot president kennedy and i really i didn't have this set up like jen did with uh with as many uh kind of points i just i feel like it, it speaks to today because he i feel like is partially responsible for conspiracy culture and I think that really kind of brings us to where we are today with the bullshit QAnon and uh, other conspiracies. You're saying that Jack Ruby, who avenged the murder of President Kennedy, one of the greatest presidents ever, he avenged that murder by 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 assassinating Lee Harvey Oswald. You're you're saying that he is a a founding father of the conspiracy theory. Yeah. Wow. That's exactly what I'm saying. And I really, I really, I think he's an asshole for it. You know, I, I the legal system was, was going to play out, you know, this whole thing. We wouldn't have been here with the JFK thing. Just, you know, to use that example, fine. But I don't think we'd be here a- anywhere with the mistrust for the government. You know, conspiracy theory is what makes America great, I think, though, because we're holding power in check, in balance. So he really fostered a sense of patriotism, I believe. <laughs> I'm going to double down on that, Jen. I, I fully agree. I feel like he 
was not the founder of uh, was not a founding father of of the conspiracy theory. I feel like he might have elevated people's patriotism. Mm-hmm. We never had a trial for Lee Harvey Oswald. He died the day after the. F- day after JFK was shot and killed by Lee Harvey Oswald, Jack Ruby decided, I'm going to take matter into my own hands. And he did it on live television. Can I just say, I'm sure there were plenty of kids watching that who were scarred, scarred for life by that moment. Maybe, maybe some people, the first thing they ever saw on TV. You're 100% accurate on that. And, and I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm swaying over to your side now. Because he's actually responsible for another conspiracy theory, which is the cancer conspiracy theory. He died in prison of cancer, and a lot of people just couldn't let that go. He had to be um, injected with this fast-developing form of cancer uh, that was initiated by the mafia because he had some mafia ties. So they were afraid he was going to talk uh, about you know, him being hired to kill uh, Lee Harvey Oswald because— that would have revealed that Lee Harvey Oswald actually didn't kill the president and it was a mafia plot. So the mafia had to inject him with this fast uh, developing cancer. That's that's crazy. That's right. The the mafia in Dallas, Texas, they have the they have labs set up to uh, to develop fast acting cancers so they can inject it into their enemies. That's bonkers. Yeah, I I agree. If you look at the scope of the JFK uh, conspiracy, that will come into it at some point. Ruby even said he was not a part of a larger conspiracy uh, involving Kennedy's assassination. That's exactly what he would say. <laughs> <laughs> he was just like a tough guy whose sister worked in these nightclubs and he just walked in and started throwing beat-ins and uh, befriending the cops and really started this whole racketeering and, and mafia thing himself. He was a one-man show. It wasn't like he was like a cog in a larger mafia wheel in Dallas, Texas. You ever hear of the, oh, the, the Dallas mafia? They're so bad. This guy worked in strip clubs. Is there anything to be said uh, on a positive note in regards to his military career? I mean, he did uh, have an honorable record. That's uh, that's what I'm seeing here, an honorable record, and was promoted to private first class via Wikipedia. Guys, he was a piece of shit. He sold punch board gambling devices as well as plaques commemorating the attack on Pearl Harbor. He was a businessman, first and foremost. You got to capitalize on American tragedies, too. Yeah, he used to beat up some of uh, the club patrons, even some of his employees, uh, and he was even arrested for a number of offenses, carrying concealed weapons. Never convicted of a crime, though. Talk about his nightclub business, because, like, what is America if not for conspiracy theories, the mob and strip clubs? I'm with you. He, he, was, he was laying the building blocks of, of the American dream. He was a bricklayer. He was an American dream bricklayer. The things that he did after the president of the United States were shot on November 22nd, 1963, where he wired money to an exotic dancer that worked at one of his clubs. Immediately thereafter, he walked to Dallas City Hall where Oswald was being transferred to the county jail. He entered the basement area, which was filled with police officers and media members. And as Oswald was led out, Ruby shot him in the stomach at close range. I, he could have shot other people. He could have hit other people. It was a dangerous act. Well, I put the blame solely on the media and on the police department there. They did not have to announce that they were taking Oswald and transferring him. That was a public announcement. 
they were simply inviting this. I'm sorry, did you say that he had wired money to one of his uh, employees? Yes. Sounds like a good guy. <laughs> yeah, he's caring for his for his crew. Yeah, it's like he has a bonus. Yeah, but guys, he said that the reason he killed Oswald was to spare JFK's wife, Jackie Kennedy, from having to testify at the trial. I think you should probably have some respect for the goddamn first lady of the of the country and assume that she can stand there and be strong and she wants to see her husband's killer put behind bars convicted i think jackie o was avenged it's really insulting to women us women all we want is for a strong man (laughs) see he was at the forefront of the women's suffrage movement (laughs) which happened several years before that (laughs) your turn Well, I don't know how to. I don't know how I'm feeling about Jack Ruby. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna say, goddamn American hero. The most American of Americans. Piece of shit, inventor of conspiracy culture, <laughs> inventor of QAnon. He probably is Q. He's probably Q. Folks, my guy is an inventor as well. It's a man. Real piece of shit. He was a scientist, inventor, businessman. Every year they give out prizes in many categories: physics, chemistry, medicine, literature, peace. They give out these prizes. Nobel. This is Alfred Nobel, and he's a piece of garbage. He's from your homeland, Sweden. Yeah, that was actually one of my facts, but you guessed him. uh, I gave a lot of clues there. You guessed him uh, before I was able to say that. Yep, he's from my motherland. He was born in Stockholm, Sweden. He was born in uh, 1833, I believe, October 21st. So his birthday is coming up. You wonder why this guy is a piece of garbage? The major reason... One day, he was reading the newspaper, and his brother had died, and the newspaper printed the obituary, uh, accidentally confusing him with his brother. So they printed his obituary. So imagine reading your own obituary. So he goes to the newspaper, he's reading the obituary of his, he thinks he's going to be reading the obituary of his brother, realizes that they made a mistake, and he's labeled the merchant of death. They said, finally, the merchant of death has died. He invented dynamite that's where he made his money he invented dynamite and he was integral in the mass extinction of human beings during wartime if it wasn't for alfred nobel you wouldn't have things like the atomic bomb for example i argue (laughs) that's that's a bit of a reach because there's other other people involved in the equation there but if, if you didn't have alfred nobel you also wouldn't have a tunnel a tunnel? <laughs> yeah. How do you think they make tunnels to drive trains through? Oh, yes, because because you use the dynamite to... to okay, that's, that's great. So let's take our natural resources and blow them up because we need to get from sea to shining sea. Yes, we do. He is directly responsible for, for the destruction of our natural resources, our natural elements, our, the earth itself. Let's just let's stick a tube of dynamite down there. I don't know if dirt constitutes a natural resource, Lance. Dirt and rock. I will tell you that that dirt and rock is probably some (laughs) holy ground for some Native American tribe that Alfred Nobel couldn't give a shit about. Well, what about his namesake? What about the Nobel Prizes? I mean, a lot of scientists, inventors, uh, peacekeepers and stuff use that prize money to, you know, forward humanity. I will say that Alfred developed that trust after 
he realized what the world thought of him, which was a merchant of death. And then he decided that his life mission was to put this into these prizes so that uh, people would be awarded for doing something better for humanity. I think that's all bullshit. He was just playing the optics. He's like, I, I am not a merchant of death, even though I love blowing shit up and I love watching people's body parts fly. And I love the government contracts, too. And and the and the railroad contracts and and Come I love all that, but but you know the public perception uh, is really getting me down, guys. So I have to go and uh, take all of my millions, and I'm going to take a little bit of that, and I'm going to put it in a, in a in a trust fund, and it's going to it's going to mature over time, and and hundred years later, people are going to say this man was a god, and that's all he cared about. Everyone deserves a second chance. I can't believe that he actually read his own obituary and said, wow, wh- let me try to change this before I really die. What a great man. Yeah, it's a hallmark of humility for him to have recognized the legacy he was going to leave behind and then try to change it. He was fluent in four different languages, English, French, German, and Russian. That's pretty impressive. This guy was brilliant. He had to be fluent in those languages because he had to make the deals with the Russians, the Germans, the French. He was it, it was out of necessity. This is not a man of humility. This man would have shot John F. Kennedy. Okay, well, when there was an accident at uh, at one of these factories in in Stockholm, Sweden, uh, while they were using one of the products that he developed, and uh, five people were killed. After that, he was he was so upset that he decided to uh, found a new company that can that continue that same work, but just in an isolated area. Uh, he was also a Lutheran. See? He's a Lutheran. I love that TV show too, but you can't convince me that he opened up another factory for safety. He opened up the other factory because they were on his ass about this factory, this company. It was, gonna, it was going down. He just murdered five people. I heard he, uh, he, he sold out France, too, which, I mean, you know how we feel about the French. Exactly. No, I'm saying, like, we feel uh, poorly toward the French. Uh, I didn't realize we were French-shaming today. I'm French myself, and I, I hate myself. <laughs> <laughs> and I self-loathe. I'm going to say uh, he also was a goddamn hoarder of patents. He had 355 patents. Like, leave some for the rest of us. He was so brilliant. You couldn't even uh, apply for a patent. You don't even know how to apply for a patent. If you had a good idea. The guy farts and he gets a patent. Ooh, it seems uh, he was unlucky in love. Oh, he wasn't unlucky in love. He never had a family. He never married. He he was probably an incel. <laughs> Yeah, well, he did care about safety because he w- filed for the first uh, gas meter, the fing- the first uh, English patent for gas meter. That's all about safety. The gas meter was developed so that he could measure how much gas was being used so they could charge people for the amount of gas that they were using. He did know science, though, and he was elected a member of the Royal Swedish Academy of Sciences in 1884, the same institution that would later select laureates for two Nobel Prizes and he received an honorary doctorate from Uppsala University in 1893. That doesn't sound like a real university. He was prolific. He lived to age 63. He had about $250 million now if we ingested his uh, wealth to inflation. Yeah. I mean, you know what he did with that money. That's how he got his uh, honorary degree. That's that's why he's in the scientific academies. He freaking bought his way in. And then if they didn't let him in, he was going to blow him up. <laughs> 